Blog Talk Radio. Congratulations to you. It's from um, something this weekend that occurred. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come on, share. Man, I don't want to, no. I'll figure it out. No, I actually went through my college uh, graduation ceremony over the weekend. Uh, it's actually it was on Sunday afternoon. And, had a had a blast with it, uh, even though I I initially resisted once in the bother to go through the whole process. But uh, thanks to some uh, some nudging from my wife, uh, everything turned out especially uh, wonderful. Um, we got a chance to have yeah, we got a chance to you know we got a chance to act a fool with Hill Harper because he was the actual commencement speaker for the uh, for the ceremony and whatnot. So you know it it, it kept everything. Uh, it, it light definitely. It, it, he was. It, I think his words were he was trying to make sure he was not boring, and he was definitely anything but that. Well, that's good. So, congratulations. My, um, 
I think it's, you know, education is important, and I also think that timing is everything. So it doesn't matter when you do it, do it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Proud of you. Cool. Thank you much. And I love when wives make husbands do what's right. That's awesome. Man, I fall in love with your wife more and more every week. <laughs> Not a worry. Cool. All right. Well, I I wish I had known because I might would have came through just to say congratulations in person. I did the A this weekend. I'm just getting yeah. back Monday. Yeah, I think I was jet lagged, tired, or whatever. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> a little something because I stepped off the plane back into reality, picking kids up from school and shit. I was like tired. Yeah. Look, don't even remind me, man. I bet my my day my day on that Monday started I think around five thirty that morning and it did man. not end. It didn't end until somewhere in the neighborhood of about one AM. I think I've had one continuous Monday. I don't know if I've been asleep and awakened yet. <laughs> That's for sure. Man, that's okay because it's all good. I can handle it. I can do all things, right? Well, that's what they say. I got it. That's what they say. I got it. I got it. I got it. So, I mean, and then, you know, I got a little allergy something going on. So, I mean, this boy is not going to get right. I don't know. Sorry, everybody, but this is what you're getting today. I'm sipping on my hot tea right now because this is it. It is jacked up. I know, but I'm doing what I can do. So, Well, so let's um, kind of get us set ourselves started here because we actually have our guests on the line, so we won't keep her waiting too long. Um, but I do want to kind of mention the topic that we're going to get into a little bit later so everybody can kind of have their ideas flowing because I know this chat room, baby, if you're new to the chat room, mm, look out because you don't even know what you're stepping into. You don't even know. All I'm going to say <clears throat> But the topic for the night We're talking about relationships Of course And, and talking about these relationships We're talking about um, When the other woman Or when the other man In your relationship Is your significant other's dreams Or aspirations And how is it that um, You compromise Do you compromise When do your basic needs Act as a hindrance or a help to keep focus in your relationship. Basic needs, I'm talking about just simple shit like cooking dinner, you know. So I'm just, you know, curious because I, I had some conversation. I met some interesting people this weekend. I had some interesting conversation with some interesting people this weekend. And, um, you know, I mean, it was so funny to sit there and um, this guy was like, are you getting shit for your show? <laughs> I was like, no, we just talking. But everybody feels like when I talk to them, they suspect to end up as a topic for the show. And, and that's true, but that wasn't the purpose of our conversation. But um, 
So it, it was just really interesting to to hear some of the perspective on this. If, if that man has a dream, if that woman has a dream, and you become part of their world, you know, where do you fit in? So that's something we want to talk about a little bit later. Um, but we don't want to keep Miss Oliver holding. We have a guest this evening, authoress K.S. Oliver. And I'm going to go ahead and bring her on our line. How are you this evening, Miss Oliver? How are you? Good, good. Glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's good to hear. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And that's Mr. Shakir. That's my my co-host. And he thinks he's the brains in his operation. Sometimes I'll let him feel that way. He's the man. Oh, here we go. Here we go with this. <laughs> he's the man. They all do. All right. Hey, all right. This is what I've been waiting on. That's oh, right on the line. Yes. Okay. Oh, baby. <laughs> okay. Let's, yeah, we'll see how well this works out. <laughs> I'm, teaching, I'm teaching my boys that the woman is always right. Okay. Oh, and them boys right there. I love them boys right there. <laughs> this woman has some children, baby. Her young men, I, her young men are on it. More than some grown ass men, I admit. I'm just gonna say that, I, and as you know, it has a lot to do with how they're parented. And I can appreciate everything Miss Oliver has done with those babies because they can hold a conversation with a grown woman better than a grown man can. So I was really, really impressed. I got to meet them this weekend, and it was beautiful. So when she talks about her men, baby, she talking about her young men for real. Those are my babies. So we're going to let you kind of fill us in on your um, projects. Tell us about your books. Uh, Tell us about what you got going on. Tell us about those babies. Tell us about Mm Miss K.S. Oliver and her own words and terms. Well, I was born in New York. Um, I've been in Georgia most of my life since I was a little girl. I was always the girl that was always in the book and always writing something. But, you know, I was typically writing notes or love poems to my boyfriend or something of that sort. Um, <laughs> about four years ago, I got diagnosed with lupus. And it was like the most shocking experience I've ever experienced in my life. I was 25 years old, literally just had come back from Vegas, having a good old, you know, good old time. And it started with just a sore throat that they thought was the flu, and it just kept going. So, you know, with the the process of them trying to figure out what exactly my body was going through, my hair was falling out, my face broke out in what they call a butterfly rash. So I'm chocolate. I don't have no business turning red, but my cheeks were red. (laughs) I don't got no business turning red, but, you know, my cheeks had turned red. Uh, My back would hurt really bad to the point where I couldn't sit sit or stand for a long time. My hands would hurt. It's it's almost like I was 25, still in 52, so to speak. Um, I was walking for a doctor for a month, and um, finally I left Georgia, and I flew to the U.K. So I was married, and my husband's in the military. So I, I called him, and I said, we were stationed in the U.K. at the time. 
I said, hey, I think I should go back overseas. And he's like, well, they can't find out what's wrong with you in the States. You're going to go back overseas? I say, yeah, if they can't figure it out here, maybe, you know, I need to step into fresh territory, get some fresh eyes on the scene. So I got on the plane and I left. But while I was on the plane, I woke up and I was so dizzy. I had a fever of 104.7, and I could barely keep my eyes open. It's almost like I was going in and out of consciousness. So Mm. they called the medics on the ground. They landed the plane. They rushed me out to the emergency room. I remember getting there, and the doctor was like, well, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you. He said, I'm not going to lie to you. He said, but I can tell you what, I know there's something. He said, and what I'll do is I'll just see you every day until I figure it out. And I said, "Um, okay. Well, at this time, like a lot of people, I was terrified of needles. So we're talking about me going to the hospital every day for blood work because that was about all they were going. They had to do to figure out what was going on internally. So I was getting stuck every day, which means I was crying every day because I was so scared. But I knew that that's what they had to do to figure out where all the pain and stuff was coming from. Because at this point, my youngest son, who's now four, was a newborn. I had just had him, mm-hmm. so I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't open baby food. I couldn't do any of these things. Well, from the time I got back to the UK, it took him 14 days to tell me that I had lupus. Wow. And I remember, yeah, I remember the day I walked I walked in for another one of those, you know, routine blood works he was doing, and I passed out. And all I remember is a whole lot of commotion, you know, the doctor saying, well, we're going to lose her. And, you know, another doctor saying, well, you know, what's wrong with her? And he's like, I don't know. I've been testing her for two weeks trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with her body or something. She's spiking fever. You know, I was just hearing bits and pieces of what was going on. And I remember them getting me stable, and I remember them giving me a painkiller. And I remember he told me, he said, I, I think that you have lupus, but I'm not sure yet. You know, there's one more test. And I said, well, what now? He said, well, if we don't give you any type of medication, you won't make it till the morning. He said, but if we do... It could stop it, and they'd give me time to send this down to the lab and have them rush it back to me. I said, well, I'm damned if I do, and I'm damned if I don't. Do what you got to do. I remember calling back here to Georgia because at that time, my oldest son was here with his dad. And I called him, and I said, listen, this is what's going on. And I said, hold on. And I put my husband on three-way, and I had them both on the phone. And I said, you know, I don't know if y'all like each other, don't like each other, I don't care. But the only children you guys have are the ones that I have. I have your only two children. They're both boys. You know, y'all make sure they grow up together. Y'all make sure that they're, you know, that they're their brother's keepers. I want them to protect each other. And they both, you know, they both had a fit. They both got really upset. They're like, Ebony, don't talk like that. I'm like, it is what it is. Like, y'all don't even know what I'm going through. And at that time, my husband was in Iraq. So I was like, I'm tired. Like, I've had enough. And, you know, my oldest son's father was like, there's no such thing. Like, I've known you since we were 15 years old. You know, we were kids. You're stronger than this. I'm like, I'm tired. Y'all don't get it. I can't stand up. I can't pick up my baby. Like, I'm tired. I've had enough. I'm not fighting with these people no more. If this medicine works, great. If it don't, then to hell with it. I, You know, I lived a good life for 25. And, you know, my husband was having to sit. And I, I remember asking, pressing the nurse's button. I hung up the phone with the two of them because I didn't want to hear what they had to say. And I asked the four pieces of paper. And I took the paper and I started writing, but it flowed into more like a poem. But I had written, by the time I got finished, I had written about what happened from the time I felt the first pain to the time they diagnosed me, which was that day. I was like, well, maybe maybe this, you know, this would be good for me. So I kept writing, and I remember them coming in there and telling me they would put me on suicide watch, and I was like, I'm not going to kill myself. And the doctor said, but you didn't really react to us telling you that you had lupus. I said, well, hell, I've been sick for six months. Like, I've not been able to move. 
stand up, move around, bend over. I had wore pajama pants for this whole six months. I kept my hair in a ponytail because it was hard to lift my hands above my head. I'm looking at these people like, I'm just happy I don't figured it out. So when he walked out, I wrote another poem called 14 Days in the U.K. About the 14 days it took them to diagnose me. So it's like I kept going. And I remember going to see a therapist, and she was like, well, you know, you know, how are you feeling? I'm like, this is not my life. They made a mistake. They're wrong. You know, everybody's crazy. I'm I'm not living like this every day. You mean to tell me I have to take 30 pills a day and is it still a possibility that I can't get up and move around? No. So I was deter- I was in denial. I was determined that I just wasn't going to do it. So she said, well, how about you write a diary? I said, no, I'm not writing a diary. Because at this point I kind of felt like everybody had too much control. And I was just like, no. I just refused to do any and everything they asked me to do. Well, I didn't take my medicine for two weeks. I bet you that wasn't a good idea because I ended up in the hospital. <laughs> and I had to come to grips with the fact that this was what it was, you know what I'm saying, and that I had to follow these directions if I wanted to stay alive, and if I was going to be a mother to my kids. Because at this point, my husband didn't matter. My son's father didn't matter. Nobody mattered. The only thing I knew was that I had to at least stay alive to be their mother. Because outside of that, I didn't care nothing about what anybody else had to say. So as I, you know, I went on this I kept writing. Every time something happened, every time I went to the hospital, every time I got sick and got put on bed rest for six and seven weeks at a time, I would just write and I would write these poems, but they would always be about pain and about depression. Or I might feel empowered one day to where I'd be like, you know, Lupus, you're not going to win. And I would write something like a letter. And I just kept, kept writing. Well, I was on Facebook one day, and I was in the emergency room. And I wrote this poem from the emergency room called Who Do You Think You Are? And it was like my letter to Lupus, like, I'm sick of you. I've had enough. I go to the hospital two and three times a week. These people know my name. Like, I'm too young for this. Enough is enough. And I posted it on my Facebook. And Janae Robinson, her name is Marissa Palmer, she inboxed me. And she said, you wrote that? I said, yeah. And I didn't know who she was at this time. I had never had a conversation with her. And she said, do you have more of those? I said, yeah. And so I told her, I said, oh, you know, I was diagnosed with lupus. I said, I'm in the hospital. I'm sick. And, you know, I'm just aggravated. I said, pay me no mind. She said, that." really, you know, hit home for me. She said, I don't have anything. But I read it, and I was so inspired. Like, oh, my gosh, this girl has so much strength. She said, you should really write a book. I was like, oh, no, there's no way. Because at this point, I had 300 people on my Facebook, and these were all people that I knew that I went to school with, that I met in the military, you know, other wives that I had been friends with. You know, it was it was people I knew. And it, to me, it was a more intimate setting versus me telling the entire world, what type of stuff right. I go through, having lupus, and how I can't move, and how sometimes I have to call my mom to come cook dinner for my kids. You know, I just wasn't prepared to do that. I'm like, that's like walking outside naked in the freezing cold. Mm-hmm. You just want me to mm-hmm. tell all, and I can't. And she was like, you can. She said, you know, it inspired me. Maybe it will be inspiring to somebody else. I was like, I don't know. So what I did was is I kept writing, but every day I would post like a little piece of something that I wrote just to kind of see what everybody would do. And people were like, Ebony, where's the rest of it? Like, why would you post a little bit of it and not the whole thing? Like, what, you know, what is this? So it's like people were drawn to it. And then, um, you know, I started, I was always in the Lupus Foundation anyways, but I just started talking to more people and just kind of sharing it with them. And everybody seemed pretty intrigued by what I had to say. So I was like, well, here goes. I decided to go ahead and put them all together. So I took everything that I had written over the years, and I put it all together and 
came up with the title Still Standing. And, you know, with Still Standing, on the front of my book is a picture of me and I'm standing up. And underneath my feet is the things that I've been diagnosed with. Because that was kind of my way of, well, it was a couple of things. It's, it's a glamour shot of me through a photo shoot that I did after I was diagnosed. I meet a lot of women who do the ponytail, no makeup, and the sweatpants with the lupus because they feel like it's just over. I break out all the time. My hair falls out. So why should I, you know, do, make any effort to looking like anything else? And right. I try to just myself on a daily basis. I tell everybody I'm a walking brand. I am what lupus looks like. I feel like I make it look amazing because you're not going mm-hmm. to catch me with my head in a ponytail and in sweatpants, not unless I'm running around this house. All right. I met you this weekend, Shamor. Had we not had this, had the conversation we had, you wouldn't have even known. There, right. I tried not to. I don't. I don't play the victim. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I want people to be inspired by what I go through, and I want people to feel like no matter what it is that you encounter, you can get wherever it is that you're trying to go. Right. I model. I run a business. I run two businesses. You know, I, I I'm a mom. I'm a single mom, nonetheless. My children go everywhere I go. If it's not somewhere they can go, I don't go. Mm-hmm. That's just my role. Other people do things differently. I like them to be involved in what I'm doing because they're involved right. in my everyday. They know exactly what I go through. My son explained my book to you from beginning to end with no problem. He sat with me plenty of nights while I was writing, and I've I've read it back to him plenty of times. Like, how does it sound? He's like, Mom, if that's what you're feeling, it's great. He's been telling me since he was four he's going to be a lupus doctor because he's going to find a cure for lupus, and he's going to make sure his mom is not in pain anymore. And at eight years old, the eight, he still says that, and that's what he wants to do. He's writing his own And that's all you have to do is plant the seed. Exactly. I just encourage them to do whatever it is that they want to do. I wanted to be an FBI agent. Well, that didn't quite happen because, of course, I don't fit the physical requirements for it anymore. That's what I was going to college for. I got my degree, and I was going to go on to get another degree because that's what I wanted to do. Well, mm-hmm. that obviously was not the plan that God had for me. He had something else in here for me to be doing. So mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Your ministry had to come through something else. And it is. It's a ministry right now. And when yeah. you're called, babe, you got to show up. And that's what you're doing. So I definitely see it. My grandmother said and, that I took something that the devil meant for bad, and God had a different plan for me. He's like, he wanted you to you know, be able to share your testimony with other people. Because this year, it within itself, had I written this book, any sooner than I did, you wouldn't have met me at that book fair because I wouldn't have went because I would have been mm-hmm. too sick to go. This year, I have only been in the hospital twice for the lupus, and we're, what, nine months into the year? Mm-hmm. Whereas last year, I was in the hospital 39 times in the first six months of the year. The year wow. before, I was in the hospital 117 times. Wow. And bed rest most of the year. So this That's year, beautiful. I've been good. You know what I'm saying? I've been able to right. move, to live somewhat of a normal life. And, you know, now I tell my boys, specifically, we were leaving the book fair, and I said, Kwan, you going to come with me? Because my sister was there. All my sisters were there. You know, my whole family was there pretty much. They were kind of walking around mingling. But um, I said, are you going to come with me? And he's like, Ma, I want to go home with Auntie and play. And I'm like, you don't want to go eat with me? And he's like, no. I'm like, what do you mean, No. But I've learned that he's gotten so accustomed to me not being able to do so many things. He has right. made up his mind to entertain himself. Mm-hmm. 
And so she may not feel good. So let me just have it in my mind to go do this. I said, well, how about you go to eat with me? And then you can go home and jump on your trampoline and do whatever you do. I have spoiled my children tremendously with a lot of back backyard and indoor activities because I wasn't able to do so much. And now I want to mm-hmm. do it all. And they're looking at me like, you want to do what? <laughs> like, come on, I want to go. <laughs> Let's go to the beach. They like the beach. You're not supposed to be in the sun. And my oldest, he gets on the computer and he researches, so he knows everything I'm not supposed to do. And don't think he don't tell me because he does. He's like, wait, you're not supposed to be doing that. Did you put on sunscreen, Mom? Did you take your medicine? It's like I get so many questions from him, and I have to ask him, are you my man? He's like, no. Yes, he is. He is your little man. Yes, ma'am, he is. (laughs) Honey, that thing is a mess. My children keep me going. I tell everybody that yeah. I never wanted kids. I never wanted kids. When I say I never wanted kids, I never wanted children under any circumstances. I'm the oldest of 11. I didn't want them. I mm-hmm. grew up babysitting. I was not interested in having any. But, mm-hmm. again, God knew I was going to need them later because if I didn't have my kids, when I tell you I wouldn't have took nothing the people gave me, it wouldn't have happened. So I wouldn't even be here having this conversation with you because I would have told them all mm-hmm. where they can go and this side of hell was hotter. And <laughs> I was gonna go a little bit to the left because it's a little bit hotter over there. Because I'm not doing it. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have went through all that blood work I went through because I was too scared to do it, and I wouldn't have right. taken anything. So when I passed out in the hospital, that would have been it. So and this is, this is book one, though. This is book one we're talking about right now, right? Still standing. It released on five twenty of two thousand thirteen, which was three years to the date I was diagnosed. In 2010. Okay. Because you have a second book, right? I do. I mean, and I'm just going off of um, what um, my sales pitch was from the eight-year-old future president of America, (laughs) global sponsor of literary everything, um, because he made sure that I knew how many books you had ready (laughs) published. He did. Oh, baby, he was on it, baby. He was he on was it. He was more like he knew her for years. He said, come on, let me tell you about my mommy's book. Yes, he did. Well, I had to stop his selfish to shake his hand. I mean, really, really. So um, you have to tell us about book two as well. I want you to spend some time with that one, too, because he, he, he sold it off to me as if it were was a little bit different than book one. Mm-hmm. You know, in book two, I was going through some other things. I had left the U.K. Of course, I left my husband there because I felt like I needed to come here where I had more family support and things. And then, of course, I changed personality-wise to being really depressed. I just became detached. So with book two, it was about what I was going through emotionally with being in love, trying to figure myself out, pulling away from this relationship over here, deciding to redate finding out that most men are liars, meeting the man that has a wife that you don't know about, meeting the man that has a girlfriend that calls you in the middle of the night to tell you she's his girlfriend, Um, Mm -hmm. about being in high school and being in love then versus the way you love now, about Mm -hmm. um, seeing your ex and realizing you still have feelings for him. Like, I wrote about things I've been through. I wrote about conversations I've had with my friends. I wrote about just the, the everyday issue. You pay more attention to that than you do me. I wrote about everything. So mm-hmm. Affectionately 360 is the name of my second book. And the reason we named it that was because it just touches on 
your everyday affections, that love, that hate, that, you know, how I feel about my sister, how I feel about my brothers. Um, I wrote about my siblings. I wrote about my godchildren, my nieces and nephews, and the things that I wish for them. Um, my parents, my grandparents, like I wrote about everything and affectionately 360. But it was just okay. simply kind of a, it's more of a book of full emotion. It's just like, you know, how you feel or what you want. I have a poem in there called Soulmate, my soulmate, my perfect soulmate, that's what it's called. <clears throat> Excuse me. So where I created a man. And in the discussion that I did about it, I pretty much created him the way I would want him. Because, you know, everybody has their requirements as to what they want, <clears throat> as I do too. But I'm like, if I could create him the way I want him, where would be the challenge in that? There would be no challenge in that whatsoever. He'd be one boring man because <laughs> he'd be just what I wanted, and there'd be nothing, you know, no no type of distraction, no type of challenge in it. Right. But, you know, people are like, oh, if, if you could create him. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Right. Yeah. But then again, like you said, where is the interaction? Because he's just going to do whatever I say and everything I want. So, exactly. you know, it's almost a man on mute, and that's no fun well, sometimes. Right. But not always. So I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I understand the way that the books were sold to me is that one was more about people. And the other mm-hmm. one's more about lupus itself. And like I said, he had the best salesman in the room. I mean, really. <laughs> He's right. One is about me and my struggle with lupus more to empower, you know, other other people, not even just women, but other people just to know that just because you hit a brick wall doesn't mean you can't break that thing down. It don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be there. It's placed there mm-hmm. for temporary. It's not permanent. Right, oh, right, right. And like you said, the other one is more about, you know, people, like my son said. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to open up and read something for y'all. Okay. Real quick. Um, make sure you tell us where this one can be found. Okay. This one is out of Affectionately 360. I'll find a short one out of Still Standing as well. And um, this is called Perfect Stranger. He walked up to me and said, hey, little mama, your man should be doing that for you. My response was swift and sassy. If I had one, it's exactly what he would do. I kept placing the boxes in the trash bin as I headed out the door. I was drained and I looked it, but I was single. Who was I looking good for? You're beautiful. I'm Jay. What's your name and why are you so mad? I'm not in the mood was the answer I had. He was 6'2", dark-skinned, and oh, so fine. I mean, there was something about him. He just had to be mine. Why are you single is what I wanted to know. Because I haven't met the woman for me, he slipped me his number, and it was a go. Months passed and still doing what we do. I was drawn to this man. Oh, yes, this was true. I recall that storm like it was minutes ago. I got a text from his phone that completely messed up my flow. How long have you been sleeping with my husband was what it said. I had to read it twice to be sure what I read. Shocked, I replied, I wasn't aware that there was a you. Lose my number indefinitely is exactly what he can do. She snapped back and said, an answer to my question is what I really desire. I said, you're mad at me, honey, but really, he's a liar. I spent all these years with a man that constantly cheats on me. You're one of four of his women from what I can see. You, just like the rest, are homewreckers who have ruined my life. This is not what I signed up for when I agreed to be his wife. I said it before, and I'll say it once more. 
With me, Jay no longer has an open door. Let me give you a little advice to take with you. A man only does what you allow him to do. Mm-hmm. That is called perfect stranger. Mm-hmm. All right now, girl. There's so much truth in that. There's so much truth in that. I'm sorry. That's so real. He's already been cheating on you for years. Like, you opened the door for it to continue. You should have walked away a long time ago. Um, and then she messed up with me when she told you you was one of four. Baby, why are you still there? Why are you texting right. me? Why? Why are you texting right. me, baby? You, right. she one of four? Come on now. Really? And then, you you know, women, we make the strong mistake of, first of all, I'm not calling no woman. I have never done it. I will not do it. I'm not going to call you and ask you what your relationship is with my man. Because if I got to go through all that, then you and him could go be together. Right. That's number one. Number two, in that, women make the mistake of being mad with each other. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the other woman does know about you, but a lot of the time they do not. Then you go getting Mm -hmm. mad at her and you ready to fight her. Y'all both mad at each other and y'all not mad at him. Where they do that? Right, right, it's ridiculous. right, right. It's ridiculous because if I think my man is cheating, please believe I'm gonna clothesline him coming through the front door. I'm not calling her. There, there's no need. <laughs> now, it's gonna be now I'm just this. gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and 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 put that flip spin on it. There have been <laughs> those occasions where she did know, and so you want to know if you knew, why would you even participate in that? You know. Mm-hmm. That's the other side. That's the spin on it, and not necessarily for fighting her, but just for the comprehension of it. Damn, why? Why if you knew? You know. So, but I definitely because I'm not going. I'm not going to fight nobody. Girl, I told I told my grandmother. No, my grandmother told me a long time ago. She said I remember calling her. And I was like, oh, this man is driving me crazy. I said, Grandma, it's just women everywhere. You know, with the military, especially with being overseas. I was like, if I see one more girl smile at him, and it could have just very well been me. She's like, well, what is he doing? I'm like, well, you know, he's quiet. He's not saying anything. She said, well, I'll tell you this. She said, I always told you don't fight over no man. She said, but that's your husband. You can act a complete fool if you want to. I said, Grandma, you know, <clears throat> I'm just not. These Japanese girls don't know what to do with me no way. <laughs> I remember having that conversation with her. My grandmother is a realist. She's a pastor, but she always tells me, well, the pastor in me wants to tell you this, but your grandma is going to tell you this. And I'm just, okay, I got it. I get it. The difference. So that one was from Affectionately 360. That's the one that my son says is about people. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, this one is called Who Do You Think You Are? This is the one that Miss Marissa Palmer read on Facebook that, made her convince me to write a book. And this is from my first book, which is called Still Standing. This is, I call this more of my diary, I guess, because I did kind of write as I was going through the things I was going through. So this is called Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are coming in trying to take over my life? Constant tests and countless times under the knife. I remember all the days you tried to just take me. I have way too many people praying for my healing. Did you miss the memo or can't you see? You've messed with my white counts and caused me extreme amounts of pain. I'm a child of God. You can't claim my life, so what's the point? What do you have to gain? So when the pain didn't work, you decided to hit me where it hurt, my self-esteem, taking away my pretty girl defense when my skin was clear and clean. Then a few months later, putting the shortness of the breath to the test, a mass on my lungs shown with the X-ray of the chest, and a major flare for the next 122 days trying to break Ooh, trying to break my faith down in several ways. 
Another go-round with constant nerve ache. So excruciating, the best actress couldn't fake. One more try, you sent my body into shock. It came and went with no explanation, not even from the emergency room doc. So let me explain this to you, Satan, once more. Stay under my feet where you need be, because I promise you'll never have a victory with me. That is from Still Standing, which is all about, you know, me having lupus and fibromyalgia and fibrosis and the depression. I have hypotension, which is low blood pressure instead of high. So I deal with a lot, and that was just me kind of screaming back, I guess. Right. And you got to have those moments, especially when you're perceived to be that strong woman, you know. When you're perceived to be a strong woman, people forget that sometimes that's a hard place to be. Still standing takes everything. Forget even having to speak. Just to stand takes everything. Mm So um, you got to have an outlet, and I definitely believe in that, and especially when it's right and so powerful when you can capture all your emotions, what you feel and, and what you can't say and, and pour your secrets in the words that you can actually share with people. So that's right. Yeah, I'm right. the oldest child. You know, everybody expects me to be strong all the time because I've always had to, you know, defend my siblings and, you know, just make sure the family was okay. But, you know, I think people forget that I'm human. And I tell people that all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, I, I'm human. On one page, I'm right. down that way. You may flip the page and you might read a poem about me being depressed because I do that. Today, I slept all day because I was just in a mood, and I get like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mm-hmm. my phone. I didn't get on Facebook. I just didn't want to be bothered. And tomorrow, I may be a social butterfly. I may want to talk and chat and laugh and all that. But, you know, I go through stages. It depends on – a lot of the time, it depends on what my body is doing as to mm-hmm. what my reaction is. Obviously, when I don't feel good, I get aggravated. Because I'm yeah, very that's strong. definitely understandable. It's it's so aggravating because when I tell you I'm a strong person, I like to do what I want to do. I tell mm-hmm. everybody, my babies will tell you they're the boss and I'm the CEO. And I tell them a boss has a boss, but the CEO is the boss. I answer to nobody. And I don't like it when lupus comes in and makes it seem as though I have to answer to it. Because mm-hmm. obviously it'll shut me down if I don't stop moving. So it's like mm-hmm. I have to. Yeah. And I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, and I'll all that extra attitude and sass comes across immediately when somebody meets you. So, yes, ma'am, I can believe that you you don't want to be bossed around by lupus. I got all that. <laughs> I got all that from saying good morning. Honey, I'm the oldest. I've always been the boss. It's like I've always had to tell everybody else what to do. You know, my mama, she was a single parent. She worked two jobs. So I would get off the bus, come home, you know, get my sisters, and she had six of us. So I get everybody else off the bus, and then between me and my sister, there was dinner, there was homework. You know, I've always been the little mama. So I've never mm-hmm. had to, you know, answer. And my mom, she pretty much, you know, I was a good kid. So she didn't really drill me too much. I made good grades in school. I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't get in any trouble. I wasn't allowed to date. I stared away from anything that was going to get me in trouble. And when <laughs> I did, I mean, I dated the same guy for five years, and there's your eight-year-old you were talking to. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so. I was a pretty good kid, so she didn't even really say much, you know, about having to go clean your room, you know, stuff like that. Or you're not putting that weave in your hair. So, you know, it was simple stuff she said I could or couldn't do. It was never anything major because I had a pretty good head on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes a difference. It makes a difference. 
it makes a difference in where you come out as well. So when when you talk about understanding, because I'm sure most most people go through the why me moment when they get oh, the diagnosis or they experience it, and and sometimes you have to look at why not you? Why not? Why and, wouldn't you be a great spokesperson for for this? You know, and I know sometimes people say, well, I'm tired of that answer too, but I don't think he always gives us the opportunity to understand everything that he does, but he definitely makes sure that we can handle and and get the testimony to, to the things that we put through. I just didn't know that that was my job just yet, you know. I remember mm-hmm. saying to my dad, like, why do I have to, why me? There are people who don't care anything about their lives, I remember having this whole conversation with him. There are people who drink themselves into oblivion. There are people who use drugs. There are people who just say to hell with their life. Why not get his foolishness to them? I was like, I just finished college. I live in England, for God's sake. I'm 20-something years old. I'm living the life most people want to have. I don't have mm-hmm. time for this. Right. And my dad was like, why are right. you? A stronger person can deal with it better. I was like, I'm not strong. I can't deal with this. And it was really I didn't want to. Why do I have to take 20-something pills a day to stay alive? Why can't right. I go outside and play with my kids like I'm accustomed to doing? Why can't I jump out right. of this bed and go where I want to go? I still want to hang out with my friends. The club, oh, that was over. I could barely stand up. Right. And then when the lung, um, I, well, I got diagnosed with fibrosis this year. So I have scarring on the outside of my lungs. The life expectancy for that is five to seven years. But with me, it's not progressing as badly as it could. So they just mm-hmm. estimated maybe a lung transplant in about two to three years, which is fine by me. I don't really react to anything you people tell me anymore. I've just gotten so used to everything. I'm like, oh, another disease? Great, thanks. Add that to my paperwork? Right. New medication? Okay. Anything else? No? Oh, see you later. <laughs> and they look at me, they're like, really, Evan? I'm just like, I have seven diseases. I mean, what do y'all want from me? I'm right. still alive. I mean, that's how I feel about it. You know, whatever. When I don't feel good, I yeah. kick my feet up. Jaquan goes, Mama, we ordering pizza or Chinese. I'm like, which one you want? Okay, well, can we watch Ninja Turtles in your bed? Sure you can. Let's go. We have a system. It works for us. You know, my, and I have my family always calls and like, is somebody over there with the kids? I'm like, my kids don't need, no, I got this. But aren't you sick? Didn't you just get out of the hospital? I got this. My mm-hmm. babies know. They know. And quite frankly, they don't want anybody around when I don't feel good anyway. They're like, that's my right. mama. You know, they're I protective. can do it. Yeah, and they're boys. Yeah. Yes. Right. And they're boys. And it's mom. And so, yes, there is a different way that they handle things. So, um, yeah, and I can definitely sense it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I want to go cook something to eat. I mean, he can only cook little stuff, of course, because he's only eight. But he'll get in there and make hot dogs and fried bologna, whatever, or he'll get on the phone and he'll order pizza or something, and he'll come in here and he goes, well, get in your bed, right? They will get up in my bed with me, and if I'm asleep all day, they'll sleep all day. They, uh-huh, they stay right. wherever I am. Like, I had a queen-size bed before I got sick, and I got a king-size room. Like, my kids are always in my bed. They're in here sleeping now while I'm sitting here talking to you. My baby is laying across <laughs> my lap and Saquon laying right next to me. They're spoiled. Of course. Yes, they are. Yes. But they're mine. <laughs> Right, and it, ma- and it matters, and and I'm going to drag you into this um, arena that we have going on because you, you said, you know, uh, are you dating again? 
Me, girl, but I know. I don't have time for that. Oh, you don't have time for that. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna put you in this hypothetical world. Okay, um, we're gonna put you in this hypothetical world where our topic this evening, because one of the things that I definitely know about you is that you're about your business. And in the business of your books, in the business of, of your son's books that are coming. And so I, I already see that you are about your business, and that is something that is really important to you. So um, our topic that's kind of running, it had actually got really into it deep in the chat room. Usually they are, are steps ahead of us, but tonight they they kind of were listening to you, so they had to kind of chill out. But um, they're getting ready to get started, so I want us all to be in this together. <laughs> yeah, because they, cause they, they will take over. They have their own show in there. But um, our topic is about, you know, when you do have that woman or man that's about their business, that their business is majorly important to them. And, um, you know, how how do you deal with or is there a level of compromise that you offer when dealing with people who see their business is as the most important thing in their life, um, and when their business is almost like that other woman or that other man, and you feel like you're competing with that business or that dream because that is the most important thing to them, and having this relationship is okay, secondary, you know, it's it's not the most important thing, and so. Sometimes they choose work over you, you know, that workaholic man, that workaholic woman. So what do you think about being in a relationship where that's kind of the makeup? And that's you can actually I'm look at it from thinking. your perspective because you seem to be that woman. I only hear you're always busy. You're always working. If you're not planning an event, you're working on that publishing company or you're writing a book. And I'm just like, unless you going to dump thousands of dollars on my bed, I'm on a mission, and you're in my way. I mm, mean, I'm just... In my way. I think I heard that. I, I I mean, so serious. You know, at this point in my life, you know, with the Lucas and all that, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't have a career. Well, now I found that I just had to revamp it and dip, and, and dip into something else. And I intend to make both of my companies multimillion-dollar companies. And if I'm going to do that, I can't focus on your pretty face. I need you to get out of my way and let me do what I do. But I have found, Mm -hmm. I will say this, you know, I firmly believe in you make time for what you want to make time for. So Mm -hmm. I found that I need to get out of my way with men that don't really interest me. Now, there has been a time when there was one that would interest me, and I'd set my phone down for him and my tablet and turn off my computer. I won't do it for long. But I will. So it just mm-hmm. it depends on the person. It depends on how interested I am or how invested I am in making that work. I particularly so, feel like my focus is my boys. So anything outside of them and my money, right. I'm not trying. So do you feel like it has to be one of those things where whatever amount you give, that has to become enough? Not necessarily, but there can definitely be a compromise to it. Um, prime example, um, last month I wanted to go and have a conversation with my ex. And I said, okay, well, fine. If you agree to go on to dinner so we can chop it up, I'll turn off my phone and I'll leave the tablet at home. 
it's a matter of compromise. Because he always says that I'm always on, the, if I'm not on the cell phone, on social network, email, or whatever it is I'm doing, I'm on the tablet or I'm on the computer. So I agreed to turn everything off to give him my undivided attention, which, I mean, it was a waste of my time. But in other direction, I did it. It's a matter of compromise. And it's like, you got you got to know, I mean, if you intend on having a life outside of business or having a personal life, and you intend on your business not becoming an issue in your relationship, you have to cut off the two. I have no hours. I work 24-7, and that's because I can. Mm-hmm. But granted, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure if I had a man, I'd be turning that computer off at normal hours, maybe five, six, seven, instead of being up till three and four in the morning and, you know, dedicate some time to him. The only time I get off the computer and set my phone down is when my baby's me. Outside of that, I'll be having a conversation with a guy, talking to him while he's sitting right in front of me, and I'm typing something or I'm figuring something out. Shakir. I'm horrible. That's why I need to be single. Shakir. Yes, darling. He laughed. Give me that, <laughs> give me that male perspective on that, like, what does the testosterone think about that? I mean, it, like, it's it's, it's probably a different paradigm when it comes to a male's perspective. Um, and I, I understand where she's coming from because, you know, she's being a mother and a businesswoman at the same time. Um, from my perspective, I, I, I don't have as much of a – What's the word I'm looking for? I don't have as much of a. It's it's it's, it's difficult for me to even say it in these words, but because I'm married and because I do share a lot of the responsibilities as far as the kids are concerned with my wife, I don't do as much as she does. You know that's mm-hmm. that's because of my role as a father in the situation. So I have to look. I, I would tend to look at things a little bit differently than the way that she would at this point. Um, I have my own schedule that I try to follow as well um, where there are times that I have to take care of business and there are times I need to take care of the kids. Now, with that being said, my role changes now because of the fact of the times that she is now working. I have to be that parent that she's always been and still be able to take care of business at the same time. So it's a little bit more balance that we have to that, that we have to maintain and that we normally maintain as opposed to what she has to do. I understand exactly where she's coming from. Um it's mm-hmm. a it my personal opinion is it's a little bit extreme, but it's working for her so I can not the hustle. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Now now you heard what he just said. So he gets to he has a split because he has his wife and him, they gotta split it together. Now, here's a crash mm-hmm. course on what my day looks like. I'm going to, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to make sure they have uniforms out because my kids go to charter school. They have to be up at 5 o'clock, 5.15 at the latest, because I have to feed them breakfast, and they have to be on their bus by 6.30, which they don't get to school until 7.30 because the school is not in my district. So that's why I feed them in the morning. So now once they go, once I take them, I ha- and I have to take them to a central location, so about three blocks over versus, you know how most kids get to walk outside and jump on the bus? No, we have to get in the car and we have to drive. So once I drop them off, I'll come home. I have to take my medication, sit tight for a second, make sure everything's good, I don't get dizzy or anything bad. Then I normally cut on the computer. I'll do a little bit of work, 
probably till about eight or nine, and then I have to lay down because my medications will make me sleepy. Go to sleep for a few hours. I'll jump back up. I'll get dinner started, um, clean up, vacuum, whatever it is I need to do. Then I have to go to the bus stop and pick up the boys. I have to get them home. We have to change for activities. They're in gymnastics and wrestling. We change clothes. We try to get a little bit of homework done. Before we leave, we jump in the car. We drive, I think, uh, about maybe about 45 minutes in the traffic to wrestling or whatever it is we're doing. I have two children in two different age groups. So my four-year-old goes first for an hour, and then my eight-year-old goes for an hour, and then another hour for us to come back home. Then we have to do dinner. We have to make sure the homework is done. We have to do the bathing. We have to read our story. And then I have to put them both down for bed 30 minutes apart, and that's all me. And I work in between. So then it's like once they go to bed, then I'm picking the phone back up. I'm back on the tablet, and I'm back on the computer. And in that day, he came fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> he can't fit in that day. I'm sorry. And God forbid I have a doctor's appointment at one of the specialists in between, because then that right. nap that I need to take or that extra stuff I want to do in between is just never. You know what I'm saying? It's like I cram baby things into a 24 hour time, and it's never enough time to do it. Yeah, I, I met I, and I and I had a conversation, and it was it was interesting to to hear a male's perspective, um, entrepreneur who is on a mission, has has a goal, has a plan, and thought maybe that's what he wanted. Thought that was the one thing that he was missing, and he was missing that relationship that was just his. It was. Somebody that supported his dream, somebody that was going to be there when the good things happen, he could come home and say, guess what, honey? Or when the bad things happen, he could come home and say, baby, I need you. And then realize that I can't handle that. Like, I don't want to commit to the role of the relationship, not the romantic kind. And and I can see how those things don't connect. But I was just wondering if two like-minded people could maintain a I only need to see you one weekend out of the month, um, and we only need to have so many hours a day where it's just intimacy and, you know, debriefing, and then we can go back to business as usual. I mean, I just, I'm curious to know, would that even work? You know, I've because, done it. I've done and it. And is it, is it something that's sustainable, like, or does it get to a point where it's like, okay, this has no meaning? This is, this is really well, not you know what happens, beating me. Is I'm, uh, it's, you know, it's a certain level of feelings in that. You know, just, a, you know, I really like you. Let's try to pencil each other in. But then ultimately I've dealt with, uh, okay, this was cool when we started it, but uh, I need more. And I, then I'm like, um, no. That ain't what I found so out So you're the heartbreaker. She did. She's a heartbreaker. Dang. You know, I just feel like I lay everything on the table from the beginning. And this is what I want. This is what I don't want. You know, let's go on a few dates. You know, I'm at a point in my life where I just I want to be successful and I want to be happy. I deal with enough within my health and my everyday life to have anything else stressful going on. Like, I, I just refuse. I don't like mess. So, you know, I kind of lay it out like, okay, you know, you're cute. I think, you know, you're funny. I like to kick it with you every once in a while. Let's go on a date. Let's go eat or whatever it is we're going to do. And right. let's just not. Get attached. I don't want a boyfriend. You don't want a girlfriend. Everybody's fine. I've already been down it's those roads. It's got to be perfect, I, right? No. And then it's I get the. Oh, I know we said, but you know, I'm, I've been, been feeling you. 
I'm falling in love, or you better not be talking to nobody else. And I have to check it. Like, what? 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 No, I don't take directions well. <laughs> Hold up. And, uh-uh. just, and that's just the whole thing. And I'm done. I'm just uh-huh. like, no. All right. Well, this is the part of our show where we bring Ron on, and Ron has his own little uh, segment that he does the wind-up. And here lately, Ron has stayed on course, and so I've been proud of him. But who's to say what the hell Ron will say tonight? We we really don't know. It's unscripted, and it's all Ron, and that could be a scary thing sometimes. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and let Ron get in here and get his segment done. I know the, everybody in the chat room has been waiting on Ron, and that's probably the only people that even care anything about him. But he's going to get into what he has to talk about. Sometimes we chime in. Sometimes we, you know, try to talk to Ron, but sometimes we just sit silently and watch him kill himself. Ron, how are you this evening? Um. I was a lot better before that introduction, but thank you. I'm blessed. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Did I say your name wrong? Excuse me? Did I pronounce your name wrong? No, no, no. I, I mean, just the, the the way you, you know, sometimes he's on subject, but, you know, you never know. I mean, you're kind of making me sound like a monger liable. I, I don't know if I appreciate that. I made you sound like you... I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I'm trying to be nice. That that was nice. That was good. Like I didn't call you out of your name, and I told the truth. You ain't never lie. How you doing, Skip? What's good, hey. boy? Everything is good. Everything is good. And, and, and hello to the guests. I was listening to your to your story. K S Oliver. That's Miss Oliver. K S Oliver. She has a name. Yes, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize for not saying that. Ms. Oliver, how old were you? You said you were listening to my story and what happened? <laughs> Y'all got me cracking up over here. No, I, I was just saying that you were very inspirational. Just listening to to how you, you get up and take the boys and you come back and you take care of your physical. Then you try to do what you do before the medicine kicks in. Then you, you know, let that do it. Then you get back to real life. Then you get back to the boys. Then you get back to, I mean, that's, that's inspiration. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, enough about you. Anyway, now I'm joking. <laughs> oh, Lord. Mark, what you done got me into? I'm uh, sorry, but... I wanted to add, though, I, I wanted to add about up anyway. Topic. You know, most people who say that they, they are, uh, the person has too much, they don't give enough time, that's because they don't got nothing going on themselves. I mm. find that when you have two people who are dedicated, and, and there's a difference between having a goal and having a dream. I need no dream. Mm. You have a goal. Mm. So mm. if I got a goal and you got a dream and you don't make nothing happen and you're not accomplishing nothing because it's not a goal, it's a dream, you're looking at me like, well, why he not giving me this energy back? Because I got goals to accomplish. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when there's two people that are, that are equally yoked, I hate to get biblical, but, you know, then it works a little better. Are There's you allowed to use biblical terms? My fingers are crossed. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I was, wait, I, was, I was wondering for a minute there, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, if you want to know the truth, my my legs are crossed at the ankles. Oh, my gosh. How, how okay. about that? I got okay. everything crossed. 
Just making sure. Oh my goodness. But yeah, but um, but that, but I I just wanted to throw that out there right quick about the topic. I didn't want to, you know, get off topic. You know what? <laughs> Every now and again, you say something that I get ready to write down because it was actually decent, and then you say something like, "I crossed my ankles, and I have to stop <laughs> writing because I'm like, can is that blasphemous for me to write that 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 was right. good?" I, and then he's got, I don't know. I need I mean, as much help as I, I can get. I'm scared about my salvation when you talk. You better be. Electricity travels through the phone line. It'll definitely travel. I, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm, <laughs> but you did say something I like. You said goals versus dreams. And that's a distinction that I didn't make earlier today because that's so true. Because you know what? Those are measurable. I can say that I made that, I didn't make that, and I can go back and, and strategize and readjust. Dreams, that stuff you just keep in a cloud, and that doesn't always have a measurable outcome. So I actually like that. Shit, that's archive now that I like something you said. All right. I got to do that. Can I, have you me, can I have you send me a copy of this recording right there when you say that? Hell no. Oh, I'm, I can't do it. can't do it. And if anybody sends him a link, we're not friends no more. I'm going to pray for all of y'all. That's fine. You know, nobody, we've been on the phone for a long time, and Ron comes on, and everything just kind of goes to hell. When he, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, well I, I mean, if, if you really wanted to go to hell, I, I had one, one thing I wanted to, you know, just start there for the wind-up real quick. Um, it's, it's, it's. It's a lot of, for lack of a better word, excuse me, I've thought it been biblical, but it's a lot of fuckery going around right now. Oh, oh. I was waiting, I was waiting on it. I was waiting Wait a minute. I bet he yeah, asked all everything when he said that, right? He, like, totally uncrossed the everything. The silent was there for it, I promise you. Oh, God. I mean, I mean, come on, you have to agree with me. Like, I mean, you look at this whole... The government is shut down. What kind of fuckery is this? The government? Well, I have to say, I did make a phone call after I watched the news, and um, I made a phone call to my husband, and I said, hey, what you doing? So the government shut down. What does that mean for you? He's like, oh, no, I got paid. I said, okay, bye. That's all I need to know. I got paid. Listen, listen. I needed to see how much shutting down and what type of effect it was. Just exactly what got shut down, government, because right. the other stuff that's important to me didn't get shut down. Give sh- I give it. I give it. Right. Well, I got a letter from the president the day before the shutdown, so that just made it worse. I, said, oh, I saw your nice. letter. I said, like yeah. I said, that's so special. She got a letter. Yeah, right after I wrote one. Mine wasn't too nice either, but in either direction. Oh. <laughs> You know. Go ahead, Ron. I know you got something else to say. Yeah, because he's making me laugh. Oh, Lord. The, the, the usual. Yeah, yeah. Ron. Hello? Yes, ma'am. What, what, do you, what do you do? Like, 
I am it, it can never, You can't never have a complete night where you stay on the line the whole time without the, the call dropping or you call incognito every time. It's like, hey, that's me or all the ones. Like, how would I know that's you? Like, I'm calling from this number. Like, why can't you just be regular? <laughs> that, 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 that wasn't even me that time. What it was, as soon as I started talking about the government, your president cut me off. He was like, you can't have Uh-oh. this people on the line no more. Uh-oh, you did you say so- something about my president? Because you know I carry a piece. Here we go. Did you say something about my president? Look, look here now. It's Hold on. Dark. Ron, you don't talk about my president okay. on my show. You know that. As soon as I talked about the government, all of a sudden I get I get disconnected. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I, I think personally, you know, Maybe no, that's because you've been disconnected. You've been disconnected from the Obama lover side, and we just want you to see how that disconnect can put you on silent mode. You need to come on back to our side, baby. It's okay. It's nice we over here. So we we got Obama. ponies and stuff. It's cool over here. Okay. Okay. Well, the same way you thought about that ankles cross comment, the way I feel about that pony comment. That's a little suspect. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. Yeah. What else, Ron? What else? What else, Ron? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they go cut me off again. I, I mean, all right. One last. See, this is what happens when you're not a, a father to your child. Okay. You got all the fame. You got all the money. You got all the women. I'm talking about Michael Jordan. You got two boys. They going around having sex with all these porn stars. You got your daughter, now she's saying she's gay. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being gay. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with having sex with a bunch of porno stars. All I'm saying is that... Because you've probably been there and done that, right? Well, I've never been gay, and I've never had sex with a porn star that was paid to be a porn star at that particular time that I was having sex with. Well, we need to find you. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the clarifications. You know, after so many clarifications, that makes the the whole comment null and void. Like, it's a lie. It's not a lie when you have to clarify that much. Um, <laughs> that, but that, too, is more of the fuckery I was talking about. <laughs> yes, your comments, a, a whole bunch of fuckery in your comments. I get it. Sometimes I am included in it. I, I, I can agree. But this time, it's your boy, Mike. I mean, it's time. Time. How good a father was you in retrospect? But that's just me. That's just me. And your wife left you and took half your money. But that's just me. That's just me. I don't know. I'm done. Well, uh, I think Imaj has something to say to you. Imaj? (laughs) Hi. How are you all doing? Hi. How are you? Hello. We're good. Hello, Imaj. How are we doing this evening? I'm great, Ron. I'm absolutely great. After spending a whole day with corporate America, I'm great, you know. So, Ron, uh, okay, never mind. I don't forget what I was going to say. I stayed on hold so long. Uh-oh, here we go. It's always me. It always boils down to me. Like, okay. I, I, because I think I hit one when he said something about crossing his fingers and crossing his ankles. <laughs> and the men cross their ankles. And then, you know... <laughs> the generation has begun again. You, think? you know, 
Wait a minute, so y'all. I'm sitting here with my ankles crossed on my bed. She makes this comment, though. <laughs> no, but no. She's saying she's a woman and her ankles are crossed. And Ron's supposed to stay in the pee and it's questionable. Exactly, exactly. Because I'm looking right. at my ankles and, you know, I got them nice and crossed across my bed. And I'm just wondering. <laughs> Right, and I'm sitting in front of my computer, and my legs, and my, I'm, I even have my feet up a little bit, and they're crossed. So I'm like, oh, okay. What do we really cross their legs? Like, do they cross their ankles? Or how, what do they do? Wait, okay, here's a moment of truth. You care? No, you don't leave me the fuck out of this one. I'm sorry. What? <laughs>
I'm like, okay, he's got something to do. He's grinding a little bit harder. Good. That means he's not in my face. And I can grind just as hard. And then he told me, you're not supportive of my grind. Whoa, pause. This is a two-way street here, and you weren't supportive of mine. You were always whining in my face where now you're grinding. You want me to be whining in your face. No, it doesn't work like that because I'm not a whiner. And we know how I feel about emotional people. So so we actually parted ways on it. And but now we've grown a little bit more and and we both now understand what the grind is like and we're very supportive of what each other are doing and we're actually working together on something and it's like, okay, we've reached that happy medium that we kinda needed from years ago. But I, I think men and women can do it once they have that understanding of one another. If they can't understand it, if you can't understand my grind is going to come before all that me and you time, I mean, you can take a seat, a thousand seats to the left and go about your business. <laughs> I'm not about to do it. And then on top of that, I'm a single mother, and I still have to worry about this kid because she still has to go to school. She's. She's a socialite. She wants to do everything her friends are doing, so we got to carpool and get the games and do this, that, and the third. On top of, I still got to work. So I think it's just how people receive it and act or whatnot. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I just wonder, you know, how, what happens when, because the interesting part of this conversation was, <clears throat> this guy saying, you know, the woman that he needs doesn't need to want a relationship because that can be offered. However, um, because he needs to be able to focus on his drive and what it is that he needs to do to get where he has his goal set. But then once he gets to where he has his goal set, then he has that issue of the woman that comes in. If his goal is the money, if his goal is the esteem, if his goal is the position um, at the top, then the women that come with that, how many of them are earnest in wanting him and being interested in him or wanting what he represents once he has arrived? Right. And 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 I think that's... You set stuff up, boo. You set stuff up. Right. And I think that's where we are now is because he went through that process of the women only seeing the glitz and the glamour of the situation where in the beginning I saw what you were trying to do. I was pushing you, go do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. You know, I'm being supportive. But then you go out, you find Sally. Sally is lazy, don't want to do nothing, all she wants to do is spend the money that you're making. But then I'm come, you come back to me and you say, hey, you know, you've always been there for me. You've always been. I mean, I don't have to be in your face to be there for you. That's not all Sally's doing. <laughs> okay, first of all, from other conversations, I'm going to be real honest with you. You know how I work from other conversations. Sally didn't need to be needed. She wasn't needed. Sally was just an extra piece of whatever. She really wasn't needed because I believe in catering if I'm in the situation. And I know I got to work, but I believe in catering. So 
Yeah, that's what Sally was doing. But, but he didn't cheat on me with Sally. Let's not take like that, but, you know, it is what it is. And we, we work well together now. We're happy. We're, we're friends. And I think what well, so, so not being not being with not being in a relationship with him afforded you to be able to be uh, better in a better place with him. Right, we we are better friends, and if we even ventured into looking at a relationship again, we might entertain it because now we actually are friends, and we have a deeper respect for each other at this point. When I say some years, I'm talking about years before I really felt like grown up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so Because the person then is not the person now. And if it, if it still would have been that same thing, what have I been doing with my time? I haven't changed. I haven't done anything. So we both evolved within that time period. And sometimes you have to remove yourself from people, go out, grow and change a little bit and then come back and say, okay, now I see that you've grown and changed and I've grown and changed. Maybe we can actually really work well together now. Because, you know, people have selfish aspects to them. They do. They do. Is that selfish? Is it selfish to want to obtain a goal before you have a relationship? That is more romantic and more permanent. Is it is it selfish to focus on what you want before you work? Yes, but at the same time, what, do you what want we to, want. It's a matter. It's a matter of. It's a matter of perspective. Is it selfish? Mm-hmm. Yes. However, at the same time, if it's what you need to do in order to be what you feel you need to be for that other person, you do what you have to do. It's really just that simple. You got your. You got your. You you have your A type personality that have to have things in their own little sequence and they will follow that sequence to the day to 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 fruition. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, I've got I mean, my I, I I have a I have an aunt that followed that same protocol. She made sure she got her she made sure she got her 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 bachelor's, then she got her masters before she even had her first child. Mhm. And she was and she 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 followed that blueprint regardless of who was in her life at that time. Now, once she had the kids, then, okay, cool, she had she she got married, had the kids, everything was in one piece, then she decided, okay, it's time for me to go back and get my doctorate. And nothing was going to nothing was going to get in the way of her getting her doctorate. Not her husband, not the kids. She sat the head, she sat husband and kids down and said, "This is what I'm about to do." They said, "Okay, cool, we'll work, we'll make this work." And that's what ended up happening. Hmm. So you know, you know what? I like it when Shakira has something to say. Like, cause when that question came out, he was like, "I got this." You know, he didn't let Ron get in there. He he said, "I got this." He made Ron shut up. I like when people make Ron shut up. That's cool. <laughs> okay, well then let Ron talk right now, real quick. Oh dear lord. Now well, um, you, you step up. Wait, wait, wait. So what is it? <laughs> we have to uncross your ankles on this line. Fine, fine. You got to uncross your ankles. Trust me, I'm breathing and my knees are at 10 and 2. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. You're good now? <laughs> now, we yeah. have to ask ourselves this question um, Is selfish bad? Because, yeah, something can be selfish, but, I mean, it can still be good. 
when you're on an airplane and you have a child with you and you have turbulence, the first thing they say is if the mask comes down, put it on yourself first. And then you care for the child. So, I mean, you have to care for yourself first in some instances, especially especially when you have that role model of being a worker bee as opposed to just being a lazy bee. So, I mean, you have to ask yourself that question, is being selfish a bad thing? You can cross your ankles back. Now nah, I'm good. This ten and two thing got me got me breathing right now for a second. I'm breathing. Yeah, so 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 basically what what Ron But what Ron's saying is that it's okay to be selfish sometimes because self preservation allows me to care for you as well. Is that what you're saying, Ron? Self-preservation allows me to care for us also. Yeah, yeah, same, same. No, I mean, I mean, it's bigger than just me. It's bigger than me saying I'm doing this for me. Sometimes I'm doing me for I us. I say you. So, I didn't say me, man. Check the pronouns. You, 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 you ain't picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> but I feel you, though, mom. It don't matter. I usually don't pick up what you put down because I don't know where your hand's been. They've been on my ankles. No, wait, that ain't sound right. Wait, we'll bring that away. Oh, my God. That ain't sound right. Wait, we'll bring that away. That really did not sound right. That didn't sound right. That didn't sound right. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. There's no bailing out of this one, bro. That's it. It's out of my you know what? I don't and need I a copy didn't do of it. I didn't do it. You know what? I, I, I don't need nobody to send me a link to this at all. I don't need that. Uh-uh, I'm gonna post one. I'm gonna have it ready for you. Just, just. Did I not? Did I not say I smell the nigga moment coming? Did I not say that? Just for you. No, no, no. no. That's it. more like fuckery. That's more like fuckery is what that is. That's that bullshit. I mean, no, fuckery, whatever. I believe in it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to post this right on your page when it's done. Yes. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. There's nobody that's going to take that the wrong way. Hey, if we are in the chat room. That's it. It's over with. Good God. It is okay. It's too loose. Not two snaps of twins and a kid. You see the end? Yes. Me too, Ron. Hey, bud. Two snaps and a twins and a kid. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm so through right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm so through. Yeah, I can't handle it. Play some music. Play some music. Play some music. Ain't no music in the world that's going to save this segment, man. I promise you that. It ain't no music for that, baby. Ain't no music for this. No, man. Ain't no music for this. No, no. That's the Oh, God. That was definitely a fuckery moment. I have to recover. 
Ron, are you okay? <laughs> Why is Tula talking about speed? Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Instagram. 
when Instagram tells you that you have already you used no this email too many yeah, you times, can't make Instagram, no more. you can't make you can't no more. Okay. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. Let it go. Okay. Instagram, it's okay. Too much. Okay. So we got to stop um, indulging okay. in, in 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 the fuckery. Um, yes. Miss mm-hmm. Oliver. Miss <laughs> Oliver. I think we lost her. Okay. Is wrong, Oliver? Look what you. Th- Look what you did, Ron. Ron is yeah, run, run her. It's me. He run our kids off the show. Yes. Okay, so we're going to post um, information about K.S. Oliver's uh, books on my Facebook page. And I'll mm-hmm. tag her in, and hopefully she can drop some more links on us, especially to, like, Amazon, where to purchase her books from. Um, and we only have a few seconds on the air, and we really don't want to let Ron talk anymore. So we're just going to kind of get through this last 60 seconds without engaging Ron any more conversation because he made us lose our guests, and I think he's done enough damage to the show for the evening. So um, next week we're going to get into some fire and desire. It's my next uh, hot joint everybody needs to get. So we're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to try to get some of those authors on here to hang out with us. It ought to be pretty right. fun next week. And we're going to act a damn fool. So make sure you yes. tune in next Wednesday to get dirty with us. Um, have a great Wednesday evening and join us again next week where Ron might be holding down somebody else's ankles. <clears throat> we just don't ever know. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Catch, catch See you next week. All right.